you say that he he wanted there to be more rhyme in this book, but I also like he kept talking about the rhyme like like he was like a like a little child from like like the Dust Bowl, and he'd let never he was like golly, Mister, I'd never seen so many rhymes before. <laughs> um, like, like calm down, dude. Like they're just this is not it's not that remarkable. They're just these are just rhyming poems. I'm Matthew Buckley-Smith, and you're listening to Slee Ricketts. Thank you all for listening, and thank you especially to those of you who have had a moment sometime this week to recommend the show to a friend. That is the way in which people hear about <laughs> This is pretty much the only way. So you are doing your part, and I am grateful. Uh, thanks also if you are subscribed to The Secret Show. Go ahead and subscribe. I'll just, I'll just say, go ahead and subscribe it is a good show. It is funny, I think, and entertaining, and uh, it's pretty fucking cheap. Also, a lot of you are listening and not subscribing somehow because I'm bad at the internet and you figured out a way around the paywall. And, you know, I won't get, I won't, I, you know, that's fine. And particularly if you are, um, if you if if money is a big problem for you, do write me, and uh, you know some people have, and I I will work something out with you. Like that's I'm happy to work something out with you. I don't want I don't want simply like the inability to pay to be a reason you're not listening. Uh, but if you can pay a little bit of money, it it's uh, that's how the show is, gets made. That's what that's what pays for our annual internet fees and podcasting equipment and and even just books and shit we got to read. The ones they don't, the, we're not yet a big enough deal. I started getting like books. I've started to get like, pu like publishers have started reaching out and, and magazines and things sometimes send me stuff, but, but I'm mostly just buying shit for, uh, for all of us to read. So please do support the show if you are able to do so. Subscribe to The Secret Show. Go to sleeverickets.substack.com. You will get, I think now you're able to give a free one month's membership as a gift to a friend just no strings attached just they just get access for a month i i think you should be able to do like one or two of those or maybe even more i think you may have to, may have to wait like every six months you can do another little parcel of them but uh that's a draw also if you are already subscribing like take advantage of that like go ahead and give give a membership out to a couple people um, uh, in addition to that, you, if you are a, a Secret Show subscriber, send me a note and I will send you free stickers. They are really nice uh, stickers. They have the show logo in a bunch of different colors and uh, I'll just mail them to you because I love you and that's it. Also, so Substack devised this little chat program We've been real lazy about it, but a handful of people signed up and they are now able to do it on Android. For, for, at first, it was only for iPhone users. So uh, we've, we, I, if, if I can get a few people on there, then it might actually be worth having kind of a conversation. And that's just like, it would be, basically it's a little private thread only for people who listen to the show and subscribe to The Secret Show uh, to, and then, you know, Cameron and Brian and me 
and Alice if she ever feels like joining on there, which she probably is too wise to do so. Uh, just It's like a little private uh, phone thread for us to uh, yell at each other in a, in a new format. So uh, sign up for The Secret Show. If you just put your email address in, you can get access to all of the episodes on there for a week for free uh, without putting down any payment information. And, uh, and then go ahead and sign up. Because it's pretty fucking good, I think. And it is a pretty good deal. So I, I don't want to give you too hard a sell, but I will give you a medium sell. Do go ahead. If you've been thinking about it, if you've been waiting, go ahead and sign up for The Secret Show. And this is a good time. to If you're going to do the annual version, definitely do that now uh, before the new year. Because it will get uh, a little bit more expensive. It'll still be, it'll still be very cheap, but it'll just be slightly less shockingly cheap uh, after the new year. All right, enough. I was never a good salesman. I sold clothes. I've I've tried to sell a couple of. I've never been a good salesman. Um, but but I do actually. I, I don't have any like this is actually a product. I don't have anything dishonest to say about. I probably Brian has said like I would be much better. I would probably be like a better person overall if I were a little bit better at at this kind of thing. Uh, but I'm just not. So enough of that bullshit uh do go to sleerickets.substack.com and if you have any questions about any of this shit write me at sleerickets at gmail.com this week i have a very fun conversation with jonathan farmer (laughs) we got the new best american poetry uh edited by david lehman and guest edited this year by matthew zapruder we a a thoughtful responsible sober-minded poetry podcast would spend a lot of time reading the poems selected and talking about their virtues and maybe 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 coming up with a short list best of the best of uh and um instead uh, jonathan and i just made fun of the introductory essays <laughs> we do talk a little bit about some specific poems but mostly we just make fun of david lehman and matthew zapruder and i had a lot of fun jonathan also talked some about his experience in uh in in writing criticism and being sort of his own personal demonstration of the 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 non-existence of a genuine meritocracy in the poetry world and we also had a fairly long and juicy debate about the value of political poetry which I think, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how much either of us was radically changed by that conversation, but it did open up some new possibilities I don't t- uh, thought about, as well as uh, we, we also talked about Jonathan's complaint about how uh, it, maybe all formal poetry is just light verse. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't put it quite in, in, the, in such simplistic terms, but, but we did talk a little bit about some, some beefs with formal poetry a, a small preview, in a way, of, uh, of a, an upcoming episode in which Cameron tries to take down the entire New Formalist movement in an episode. But uh, this is a, I think, very fun, very silly conversation with Jonathan Farmer. I did, he was on a previous episode. That's a lot of fun as well. He is kind of my my poetry big brother. He's one of the few poets who lives in this area. I mean, really now, like I, there are a lot of poets who live in this area. Uh, there aren't many that I'm friends with. Um, and I, I, he's, he's among the very, very few that I am friends with. And I like also, you know, both his, his, his prose and his poetry as well. 
So this is, I think, a fun and very silly conversation that you will enjoy. Unless, as I mentioned on The Secret Show, you are my dad and you are hoping I won't burn any more bridges. <laughs> in that case, uh, you probably want to stop listening now. I don't know whether, because I feel like, so David Lehman does a little forward which typically is, I mean, forward is typically very short. And then an introduction is longer. The forward is longer than the introduction. So the forward is, Matthew, is David Lehman. The introduction is, is Matthew Zapruder. I read, I read an intensely passive aggressive relationship into these, into these two documents, at least, at least it's, into the Lehman one. The Lehman one is weird. It, it's, it kind of spends a long time describing uh, poems he would have chosen if he was the editor. Um, well, he starts and, with this with this note that I yeah. that caught my attention. So he says, years ago, the rumor circulated that secretly it was I who picked the poems for the annual Best American Poetry. Perhaps I should have felt flattered. Did I really wield so much power and influence? Did anyone seriously believe that I could dictate to Charles Simic, Adrian Rich, John Hollander, Rita Dove, Robert Creeley at all? On the face of it, the notion was absurd. The guest editor chooses the poems. His or her autonomy is guaranteed as a ground condition, and we go to pains to emphasize this fact. So had you ever heard this rumor? Or had you ever no. had this thought? No. I, no. I did, but I heard a very specific version of it. And, and I was up in the air about whether or not to believe it. This totally makes me believe. Like, this, this <laughs> so much more makes me believe it than than having heard it in the first I'll I, so so what I heard was that basically he chooses half that like effectively okay. he curates kind of the like out of these things and then he basically reserves roughly half for like his stable of people and I heard this I'm gonna I'm not gonna say this on the show but I will I will tell you where I heard it from and I just want to <laughs> I just want to hear your reaction so you could you could you uh -huh. can gauge like how reliable this source should be so what I heard okay. was I mean, that's the that's the that's the reliability of the source. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can imagine, I can imagine maybe like I don't think like because I mean the one thing this 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 reveals is that like he has a specific layman has a specific taste in poetry. What I took from this is he he's maybe fine with the poems that are being selected, but he's frustrated that the kind of stuff he likes just has no representation there none of the stuff that he really likes the best. And so he decided to have an entire forward, well, not entire forward, like th this lengthy forward, much of which is just him talking about poems that were published this year that he would have included, um, yeah. which are very, you know, good or bad, very unfashionable poems. Yes. Um, like poems that most people he would choose as a guest editor right now would not even think of including. Right. Though they were all, well, I don't know Terry Ellen Cross Davis or Angela Ball, but at least the, the first three he named were, well, one was, a, was a, was a posthumous poem by um, Nabokov and then Mary Jo Salter and Rachel Hottis. And both of them have been mm -hmm. in the best American poetry in the past. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I was, it, it, this is a weird, it's a, the forward is divided into three parts. The first part, as you said, is him insisting that he does not pick the poems that go into the best American poetry. And then listing all these poems he wishes had been in there instead. The middle section is a 
Well, well, th th then there's yeah. the transition, right? So he, yeah, he yeah. goes through this. Kind oh, the transition! Oh my uh, God! Yeah, the transition. Aim this a pretty aimless just description of poems he liked. All, all yeah. of which I think have, or most of which I think have some some pretty strong stylistic similarities. Um, three, yeah, three of them and then, are very and, metrical and rhyming. Like, yes. just the first three. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and then like, and then that that transition well, is. Whew. Yeah, and, and 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 then he says, also, I would have chosen a poem by Matthew Zapruder. He says, it's, it's, uh, I feel like his phrasing gets so careful in this section. He says, if I were the guest editor of this volume, I mm. would also pick something by Matthew Zapruder. Yeah. Which is not to say, I love Matthew Zapruder's poetry. It's saying like, I would have selected something from the name Matthew Zapruder. And then even, <laughs> even when he comes, as close as he comes to saying, I like Matthew Zapruder's poems, still very carefully worded. He says, well... So okay. I was immediately taken by his enthusiasm and by the quality of his poems, which isn't to say which quality it is, but it is, it is very, I mean, I think it, yeah, it is meant to say that he, he, that he admires him, but, but that is as, literally as close as he comes to actually saying the poems are good. And then he goes out of his way to let somebody else praise his poems without yeah. ever himself praising any particular book or poem by Matthew Zapruder. Yeah, I think I think you're overstating the case a little bit. I think he does say some positive things about the one of the Zapruder poems himself. I don't know. Uh, if, I don't know if he does. Yeah, I'm, I maybe think it's all Amy. I think it's all Amy Gersler. Yeah, I think it's all Amy Gersler. Gives a lot of time to letting somebody else praise. He um, quotes a lot of other people saying nice things about him, him, or just naming prizes that yeah. he's been included in or things, and then he and then he gives over like a big chunk to Amy, a big, like a page or so of this introduction to Amy Gersler saying like, I, I wrote Amy Gersler asking her to write an appreciation of Matthew Zapruder's poems. And oh she, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. The, the quotation is longer than I realized. Like I, I had read yeah. some part down no, here. No, no, that's like, all oh, no, that's, Amy Gersler. That's, that's pretty it's, it's, yeah, it <laughs> it's all Amy Gersler. He just says, Amy says this about this particular poem of his. And she's like, it's a perfectly nice and clear enough note that she wrote, but it's clearly yeah. like yeah. an email she wrote him. I mean, like, I go, oh, okay, I guess I'll, here's Matthew's a pruder. It, it is, uh, uh, I, I am underwhelmed by this poem. It's a poem that is very, the subject matter is very grave and moving. I, I think it's a very, uh, very mediocre poem on a very intense subject. But uh, I, I mean, all I read is the little bit of quotation that, that they have in here. And I, I, I like the little bit that's in here. I'm, I'm more taken with um, a sort of conversational style that can move pretty easily across lines and across ideas and situations without, without a lot of jump cutting and, and some of those other uh, techniques that are, are fashionable in certain kinds of poetry right now. I mean, I think it reads yeah. kind of like a, like a, like a social media post. Like it's as it's emotional, but it's as forthcoming as like the like slightly self-deprecating mode that people use when they're rambling artfully on social media. Like that's what it really feels like to me. And again, like the subject matter is, is, you know, so close to home and so intense. And, you know, it sounds like he's a really wonderful husband and father. But I'm totally, totally. I mean, this this is the one poem held up to say what a what a what a guy, and I just think it's it's really really lukewarm. Uh, but this is this is all yeah. given over to, yeah. to to Amy Gersler to yeah to praise. And then the end of the his forward is just also uh, 
two guest editors of the, in the past died this year and uh, they were great. And here's why Robert Bly was great. And then here's a very long quotation from David Wagner. Um, I mean, one, one way of reading what he's up to here, and it, it, the, the whole thing's a little clumsy, is that he, it, he sees his guest editors as a kind of pantheon and that he is sort of welcoming Zapruder into that pantheon. You know, the, the second section is sort of about Matthew Zapruder, but it's really about the, hist the, the, the great history of people who have guessed this, this august, highly commercial anthology. Uh, so he starts, he starts seeing all of these big names from the past who, who were guest editors. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's in the very first paragraph. And then you know, he does say, uh, I learned Amy Gersler, who made the choices for BAP 2010, yeah. uh, about Zapruder's work. So I, I think he does nod towards... He nods at Zapruder's work having been recognized much. But, he, but he's pretty... I mean, I, I also, like, setting aside the question of David Lehman and Matthew Zapruder specifically, I, here's, like, here's a, like a broader hypothetical for you. If you are editing a series where every single year you have a new guest editor, mm -hmm. what kind of pantheon can you include all of them in? Because he doesn't repeat people. If I, I mean, I don't think. Right. So it's the it's it's the pantheon, it's the pantheon of, of his book. It's the pantheon of it's his book. It's just his book. His book is the that's the the he's, the, the he, status. He's bur he's yeah he's burnishing the book. He's so, burnishing well, the series. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's definitely true. I mean, which also like, I mean, there's something, I mean, he, I don't know. I don't know if he's, if he's like winking or wincing when he says, uh, did I really wield so much power and influence? Like fucking, who, what are you talking about, man? Come on. But, but I like, I, I'm just curious. Like I would have a hell of a time picking a, an authoritative guest editor every year for the best American. Like there aren't that many poets I admire who were alive. Like it, I mean, it, yeah. or it just seems, I don't know, like it, how, like it would be, which is not to say anything bad about him or about Zapruder, but like it would be impossible for you to think all of these people were especially qualified for this, wouldn't it? I mean, unless you have, unless you, like, you have like a fundamental I, egalitarianism to your, your view of like what makes poetry good. I just, I, I think, I think he's, he's a poetry evangelist. There's a poetry uh, he's a, mm -hmm. and and he believes in poetry as a cause. Uh, I mean, I, I I know nothing about this guy. I, I'm just yeah, yeah. making assumptions. But you know, I mean, how do you how do you justify publishing a book every year called the best American poetry, which is it's a, it's a nonsense idea. The, old, the n n almost nobody you could pick to be guest editor at this point who is prominent enough to do it would even believe in the concept of right, right. a single person selecting the best. Like I, I almost imagine at this point, he has to beg people not to write several paragraphs in their introduction about how they don't believe in the idea of a best. I mean, and um, to, to Zapruder's credit, he does say like, what is this toilet paper for you to wipe your ass with during the apocalypse or something like, like he says, yeah. he says, I mean, he really says like, this book is kindling. He says like, this is, this means nothing. I mean, he all but says like, this all, like not just this particular endeavors a waste, but like all of, all of Western literature is, is, is in vain. Which is, which is his feint to set up something that's not about the book, but about poetry, a statement yeah, that's yeah. the exact opposite, which is that poetry is, is the only thing that can save us from fascism. Oh God, um, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, um, we'll, we'll, we'll but get we can get that, to that. But... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think the I think if you're gonna do best American poetry, I think like you need to have. I think it's like there's too much and not enough hubris. Like you need to just have the hubris to say like I'm picking it. I mean, if he were doing that, he wouldn't be. It wouldn't have the. It doesn't. It wouldn't have the the reach and the influence it does. Right. Right. All. But, but it's, all so it's this, this weird compromise. Yeah. All of this is. You almost say it's like a like, 50-50 compromise where he does. Yeah. <laughs> no, but all, all all of this is presumably just about creating an audience, right? Creating an audience of people who will buy a book. Um, if it was the same editor every year, people wouldn't buy it. If it was called anything other than the best American, you would have no way of marketing it. Right. Like, even though I assume none of his editors actually agree, his guest editors at this point agree. You know, I'm sure Harold Bloom believed that he was picking the best however many poems from that year. Um, yeah, yeah. But like almost anybody he's picking at this point doesn't believe that. I, I don't believe it. Uh, right. I, yeah. If I were the guest editor, I, I would feel like it was nonsense. Um, I, I cannot conceive of any other title you could give this book uh, where it would, it would be of any note. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, anything that nods to what this actually is. Like one person picks out a bunch of poems. They like that were published that year. Like there's, right. there's no marketing genius without going to, without pretending this is a contest uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. could, could make anything of this. And, and so it seems like all of this is this weird, like hybrid commercial evangelical project. Uh, and I, have a hunch that he genuinely believes in that he believes in poetry as a cause and this is a way of selling uh literally and figuratively of selling poetry i don't know it just feels like there's like i want him to be all the way cynical or or like all the way earnest and it just feels like it's mm -hmm. it's neither nor so so zapruder's introduction which is which he squeaks in at like it's barely seven pages. Like it technically counts as seven pages. Like if you were, if you were like turning in an essay to a teacher and he would say like, well, it's seven, I reached seven pages. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, six and a fifth of a page. You know, it, with that big old healthy indentation on the first page. So that, that saves them some space. I was entertained by this, but sort of baffled. Like there are, there are things in it that I agree with, but it feels like other than this weird peroration he gets to at the end with, as you said, like poetry is the tool with which we can defeat fascism. It seems like he sort of can't commit to anything. Um, yeah. He just, it seems uh, like he's like nervously tap dancing the whole time. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, it's, it's, well, it, it just, so let me, let me back up. I, I, I want to just give a couple of disclaimers here. Sure. Uh, one is that it's it's a it's a ridiculous project that I could not do well. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, like the implicit question you're supposed to be answering here is, what what do you mean by best? Best yeah, yeah. for what? Best of what? Like best at what? Uh, you know, and and it's it's a question that I I doubt he believes he has an answer to. Uh, which kudos to him. Uh, I don't I don't I wouldn't buy an an answer that really took seriously the idea of best um I, I just just for, for for whatever it's worth because i was working with brian recently on a forward and an introduction specifically and you talk looking at those where i was like looking up fun, like fundamentally what those words do or what those what those conventions are mm -hmm. and the foreword is written by someone who's not the author or the main editor and the mm -hmm. function of the foreword is to say why should you read this book mm -hmm. and the function of the introduction is to say what are you about to read 
And I would say that neither of them performs those functions. Like neither, of the, like like Lehman's forward doesn't tell you why you should read the book, and Zapruder's introduction doesn't tell you what you're going to read. I mean, in in the sense that he gives a couple of descriptions of of a couple of poems, I, I guess it does. But yeah, like I, I don't I don't think he wants to set out, and and again, I don't hold this against him. I, I don't think he wants to set out a definition of what he thinks makes a poem good or bad. Uh, I don't think he wants to oh. set out a standard of quality, uh, which which is what you what you really know, you're saying this stuff is better than the other stuff because X. And like, that's that, I mean, that's, that is the promise of this book. This stuff is better than the other stuff. Nobody believes, but that's the promise of the book. Yeah. 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 Um, But but even like, even other editors in the past have said things like, I can't say these are the best, but these are the ones that, that like caught my fancy. These are the ones that tickled me. These are the ones that, that moved me. And I don't know that he even says that. Like he, he seems he, not even to does, want to commit does. to that. Yeah, the, the, these are the poems. Oh, he, that, yeah, the, um, the imagination you know, of these poems took more... me again and again to places where I could feel again. So he says that he was numb yeah, and reading um, these were the poems that made him feel again. So I guess that yeah. There we go. And he, he said he says more broadly uh, about poems he loves in general. Uh, now I am more alive and aware. I feel sadder, more vulnerable, more capable of resisting. So that I want to get back he, to that question because that's a weird yeah yeah exactly point. yeah. Yeah, um, um, yeah. It's it's a, it's a uh, ridiculous task, but also if you take the job and you get paid for it, then then it's okay to make fun of you. Is my yeah, point. like like it's yeah. an absurd but, task, and you do it in public, and this is you know here you are. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Um, the 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 other disclaimer I want to say is that I I I, I have a weird mixture of self recognition and agitation when I when I, when I read this because I, I think. You know, I, I've got this sort of like weird set of experiences in, in the poetry world where I, I sort of, at a time when I wasn't Do you want really... to just tell people a little bit about that? About that? Because they, they may not all know your background. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, uh, basically at a time when I wasn't super into poetry, um, uh, this just ridiculous opportunity fell in my lap. And it fell in my lap because I was friends with someone who had influence. So I got to be... Slate's poetry critic for like four years with no no qualifications for the role, none. Like uh, didn't have any experience as a critic. Hadn't, it, it's just that I, I have a lovely friend uh, who is an editor at Slate uh, who likes to do nice things for his friends. And I, I, I benefited from that. But so all of a sudden, like poetry got really exciting for me. Uh, like this, this, this thing that I kind of faded away from for various reasons. Uh, all of a sudden, I was really excited about, it. and it changed the way I felt about the poems I read. Uh, it made them more interesting to me. But also, like you know, I could look on social media and see like people were reading this thing I, I, I wrote. Like you yeah, could actually yeah. see uh, they, they used to have this thing where it would show you like how many times something had you know an article had been tweeted and how many times it had been posted right, on right. Facebook. And I could see that. And you were doing like a, really, a, a review every how often? A review every other month. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so for for I think almost exactly four years I was doing that. And you were reading you know, a there, ton there, of books. Like you you read and you received like even like a flood of books. I, I received I mean, a ton. I, I, I know read... because I saw a lot of them when you would like when you would like when like the new books that you had not touched or that you'd read once and and passed off that then would turn up at the bookstore because they they had a good used section. And that was like yeah. the like they had the like like new pristine section, which was just the Jonathan Farmer section. Yeah, yeah. And you know, in a lot of cases, I would just read a little bit of a book and mm-hmm. quickly say, "Okay, I, I'm not that interested in this." You know, I, I, 
full-time job as a teacher like I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know I, I, I wasn't going to read everything if I, if, if I read a few poems and it, it didn't do anything for me I, I was fine putting it aside um, yeah but I you know I got really caught up in it and a lot of what I wrote like I still feel pretty good about but also there's this like this note of boosterism that that I, I, mm. I can I, I can hear in a lot of that uh, you know I got really caught up in playing to my audience without even knowing I was doing it. Like I, I really didn't know I was doing it. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think that's familiar. I think like a lot of people yeah. who, who have to talk about poetry in, in any given context to feel that, like, how am I gonna, how, how do I put a brave face on this? How do I make this sound good? How do, like, and, and I don't think it's, I don't think it comes from a disingenuous impulse. No, I, think it, I, I mean, I, yeah. I, I legitimately like the books, but I made a point with, with one exception. I made a point of just writing about books I like. That was, that was what I was asked to do. Um, yeah. I praise them in, in terms that I, I believe, but I, I think I was always, even though I have skepticism about poetry, I, as, like as a, unit as a cause uh i i think i wanted to you know like get people excited about what i was writing and you know then it, i would do that and it would go into the world and you, you know you could see people being excited about it I, I think that very much shaped the way i wrote as well as the way i read uh and there, there's a part of that that just bugs me in retrospect not that i liked then i think more things than i like now um because they were part of this kind of community and culture and activity uh I, I don't feel bad about that but so, some of the some of the high notes that i was hitting like i feel like i would just get carried away yeah, yeah. um and i feel and i feel like that happens to spruder some in this essay like i feel like he just gets carried like he can imagine his audience well enough that he kind of can't stop flattering them it's funny because i think i know what you're talking about and i i both like have have experienced that as a reviewer and and I even think back to like, particularly as an undergrad, the kind of excitement I would feel reading poems that when I go back to them, it feels like there's almost nothing there. I, it was not a false excitement, but it's hard to pin down. Like, like there's something about a very charged context that can make, that can make a few sort of flimsy words on a page generate electricity or at least conduct mm -hmm. electricity in a way that they, they wouldn't otherwise. This introduction doesn't to me feel like he gets happy about poetry. It doesn't feel like he gets swept away by the poetry in this. It feels like he gets swept uh, away by by his own like his own rhetoric or his own yeah maneuvers. Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's that. I mean, but that's I think that's what I did sometimes too, where I was like hitting these notes that I just knew would ring out with uh, with my audience, and like I just kept hitting the bells harder and harder. Uh, and, and I, I, you know, like, you, yeah, you're right. I don't think he's typically very excited about the poetry here, but he's, he gets very carried away talking about poetry. Um, yeah. you know, poetry becomes it's, a cause for him. It's so almost, it feels that, to me almost like the opposite of the Stephanie Burt thesis, right? Cause, cause yes. her book was called, uh, don't read poetry. Yes. And, and, the, and, the, and the, the subtitle, right. subtitle is how to read poems. Yeah. It was like, forget about the big abstract category, worry about the individual right. poems. And he seems to be doing yeah. the exact opposite of that here. Yes. Yes. Um, and, I, and I think that's that's one of the few things that his intro has in common with Layman's forward, which is that 
Layman gets carried away as well. He, what, what does he say? Something he talks about. He's talking about. I think the Rachel Hottest poem. Uh, oh yeah, you wanted to talk about these about, two poems. Yeah, and we can come back to them. But I, I just want to say what he, he says about this poem talking about Zoom. Yeah, sorry, your your audio cut for a second. She does a a poem about teaching on Zoom called um, uh, In the Cloud. It was in the New Yorker. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, he he says that he's he's ecstatic about the fact that she's writing about this contemporary experience and doing it in, uh, you know, uh, regular meter and and, and a regular rhyme scheme. And he says to confront the new with one's poet, with, with one of poetry's most traditional devices, rhyme is a daring move. He can't no, talk not. enough about it's how not. these poems rhyme. He's so, he's like, Nabokov's right. scrupulously rhymed poem. It's like, well, that's another yeah. way of saying no, rhymed. I, like, it, they just fucking I, rhyme. I, I, I think one, I think part of his frustration is, 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 is really that there's just no, it's not just that there's no meter and rhyme in here, presumably, yeah. uh, but that's one of the things that I think really grates at him. Like, I think he's tired of nobody including uh, formal poetry. But which, then, which, to, uh, to be fair, know, Dana Joy included lots of when he edited a few years ago. Um, yeah, but, but I mean, but yeah, but I yeah. Assume, as, as I, a assume, rule, I assume that's the exception. Yeah, I think. Well, yeah. and I think he was the exception um, in a number of ways as a guest editor. Um, yeah, yeah. No, he he definitely but, gets ecstatic about poems in a way that feels like even Nabokov's like jokey Superman poem. He gets like yeah. real worked up about it. It's like, yeah. oh, I don't know. I'm not sure that quite yeah. deserves the, the excitement. Yeah, but you know, and then Zapruder uses all these words like liberated and dangerous and ruthlessly accurate. You know, it, it's it's this. It's, yeah. You know, you can you can just like it. It's 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 right. okay if you just like it. Uh, it you know, this is the French resistance. To pretend it's, yeah, yeah. Or, <laughs> Or the American one. Um, right. Oh, I mean, I mean, he does talk about resisting and resistance. Yes. Yeah. Can we? Yes. So, so what? Because, because you, as you say, he gets to this point, he where he says it. He says it a couple times. Uh, uh, after having read these poems, he says, "Now I feel alive and where I feel sadder, more vulnerable, and more capable of resisting." As you said, just resisting, mm-hmm. resisting. Period. And then earlier yes. he says something as well about he says something he uses resistance elsewhere in this. Mm-hmm. In this yes, essay. he does. And 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 it, the the first time he does it, at least the first time I remember. Uh, he does it in a way that's like even broader in implications. The poetic imagination, he yeah. says, which I, I'm, I'm already off right. about when you, when you yeah. start talking about the poetic imagination. Poetic imagination connects concretely with activism, resistance, and optimism. Why? Which why is, like, is that true? What does that yeah, mean? Like, and why would it be true? And then and then he go he he gets back to it again. Uh, he says, despite all the efforts to control it, poetry has from the beginning never bent to authority. Never. Never Bullshit. hasn't it frequently Bullshit. bent to authority? Hasn't hasn't this I happened mean, all the time? What, what is the job of the poet laureate in England? It's right. to bend to authority. It's <laughs> like like, like corp, yeah corporate pop music. I mean yeah court court poets throughout history. Like yeah. Virgil wasn't Virgil bending to authority with one of the great poems? Yeah. Like isn't doesn't poetry constantly bends to authority? Like the, yes. it's absurd. It's an absurd. I mean that's that's such a weird claim to say like authority can you could say like authority has never been able to. Uh, you know, totally define poetry, or has never stifled, but like has never poetry's never bent to a th- like. What is what yeah, does that well, mean? What's the what's the dynasty in China too, where part of uh, becoming a uh, uh, bureaucratic courtier was that you had to pass this uh, this poetry writing test? Uh, you know, it's right. it, 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 like in, I mean, unless you come for that matter, the, fucking, one, the SATs and the the GRSCW, whatever the, <laughs> the English people put like. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, poetry bends to authority uh, nonstop. And and he does, I mean, it, it does seem like he, he make, this is where he, like, he, 
he dithers and he he both sides I mean he doesn't both sides it in a political sense but he like he goes back and forth you know trying not to make statements about poetry while using the most superlative language possible yes but he does make a few of these weird claims what do you what do you make of the resisting thing specifically like is this just hashtag resistance like is it just like is it just picking I, up yeah, that I, word? I, 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 th I think that's where he's getting the word from. Yes, absolutely. Because um, what could that possibly uh, mean? Like, what could that practically in application mean? Well, here, here's how he gets to it. You know, the, the, this this point you 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 talked about where he he kind of does this faux denigration of poetry, um, which is really just setting up uh, his, his exaltation of it. He, he he kind of says, "Oh, you know, I, I I worried that poetry wasn't the right thing in the midst of you know all of this." Uh, horror in the world, um, which is, you know, a perfectly valid thing to, to worry about. Uh, it's a perfectly thing to, to worry about, at least. I do feel um, like that can be, again, with maybe the exception of Dana Joya, like, is there a year in recent memory when someone could not have written that in the intro? I think the past few, the past, you know, the past four or five years have been yeah. ones where, um, for a lot of liberals and lefties um yeah and I'm, since since trump's election but, certainly and then the pandemic yeah, exactly um where uh the whether you know i mean certainly all, all these urgencies were there before but like they, they're um they're just much more they've just been much more visible and like much more guilt inducing for a, a lot of white white liberals and lefties and so i think he feels implicated by that and he get he kind of catches himself coming and going with that but that's that's then he, he he then turns it around not to say just okay well you know i i wondered how much poetry was worth when you know uh i see people being killed by the police and you know uh entire an entire religion being barred from the doors of, of america but instead no in fact it turns out that poetry is is the answer he's here to defend poetry uh, he, he kind of puts on this air of being somebody who isn't sure what all of this is worth, but then he's he's going he's gonna to turn it on its head and he's going to say, no, 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 this is actually the key. So, you know, I I was curious. I went back before we recorded and I read um, both Sidney and Shelley's defenses of poetry. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> whoa. Uh, but, you know, like bo both of them begin from this perceived insult to poetry. Yeah. Uh, which is, I think, in a sense, what Zapruder is doing here as well. It's been a while since I've read Sydney's read Sydney's recently, yeah. Yeah, and then they both end up, the only way they can answer it is to say poetry is better than everything. Right, that's such like, a weird impulse. It's like, 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 like Sydney's Sydney spent so much energy saying like, it's so much better than philosophy. Fuck philosophy. Yeah. Poetry. Like, why is what? Why why are we doing is it, this? Is it is it Sydney or Shelley who's like, and actually Jesus was a poet. Um, oh God, I can't remember, but yeah, he does have a number yeah. of absurd proofs of poetry superiority to yeah, all other um, human endeavors. And and so I guess there's this just weird tradition in the history of English poetry, and and both of them are extremely moralizing in their case of poetry. The case yeah. of poetry. oh yeah, yeah, so, poetry leads to moral good, right? Um, like, and so it's like, it's absurd. it's like it's like if you if you if you prick poetry, it it doesn't bleed. It just like turns into this massive chauvinist it, it there's this kind of milky quality to the whole thing 
where he wants to be just kind of super gentle and welcoming. He starts out by writing to this imagined reader who doesn't really like poetry, but has picked up this book. But he, he loses track of that person pretty oh, fast. Oh man, that person um, is nowhere to be. If you're reading this and don't read much poetry or feel uncertain in relation to it, you are more than welcome here. Well, you're not welcome in like paragraph five or you know, like this introduction. But I tell you, poets are so much superior to everybody else on earth because like they're the only people who ask big questions. Or No, that's not fair. He, he says uh, in poetry, unlike so much of the rest of life, people are asking the big questions, which is kind of, fuck you. Like, yeah, you know, like, what, what does that mean? And, and, like, and first, he, like they're often not asking big questions of poetry and they often are right. asking them elsewhere. So what is that? Why? Yeah. What is yeah, that? Mean? Exactly. And then he gets he gets so carried away uh oh yeah so so these are dire times he says this is the top of this often the question occurred to me reading these poems what am i doing certain poems reminded me that there was possibly in language a thought great uh which gave me some hope also great uh yet i often felt convinced that none of this letter activity was going to make the slightest difference perfectly human response sure and then he gets into this crazy discussion about dreaming uh, oh, where he, he connects poetry to oh, dreaming. He says man. all this wild stuff about dreaming, where dreaming is the one place where uh, one is free to imagine anything. And he starts talking about the surrealists saw dreams as oh, essentially God. ending it's war so, to improve oh, the human man. condition. And, and, then, and then he kind of has to go back and be like, well, that didn't really work. But he's, right. he, he's And then we had World War II. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he kind of suggests, well, that was just because not enough people became surrealists. Like he we really dreaming hard enough. If Hitler had been a, a surrealist, we would have all been fine. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. I mean, it is and, like, and yeah, then it's almost well, like he well, didn't so, know how that ended. It's like he was reading a history book when he was writing that paragraph. <laughs> we're like, oh no, the Holocaust. <laughs> like, that didn't work out so well. But then he gets so carried away with, with this. Um, he says, but the surrealists were not wrong that dreaming is at least a step toward change. A poem is a dream made manifest in the world for oneself and others. Wow. Before we dismiss dreams as a source of knowledge and power and change, we should remember that Dr. Martin Luther King oh Jr. did not say he had a thought or plan or an idea. It's like, oh my I mean, God. This is, but the, I feel like oh like, my the God, invocation me. of the I have a dream speech is the like Godwin's law of like, of like poetry introductions where like if you fight like if you keep writing one long enough eventually you will find yourself invoking that speech and at that point you realize like oh i'm not saying anything of value anymore <laughs> no it's such a it's so it's so batty and it and then he, he, and he goes on to like when he finally starts talking about the poems of the book it doesn't it do, he doesn't recommend them i mean he says the imagination of these poets took me again and again to places where i could feel again though not in the usual ways often the poems painfully reminded me that everything is alive First, like I don't, I don't I have no idea what that means. And then, as he starts giving examples, it makes less sense. A bulldozer lowers its bucket in the rain. Is anything alive in that sentence? Like, is there anything that's alive in that sentence in any sense? When a goldfish dies, we mourn the entire o ocean. Do we? A bolt of lightning falls in love. Our love, yeah, like our I mean, grief, it, is unreasoned. Like, all right, it's unreasoned. But like, what is this? What? Who are you? It, what are you it selling? It really here? sometimes feels like this is just like. A first draft. He got really excited at certain points writing this first draft. Like it, this is one of the things where it makes me wonder. Like, does anybody edit anything? Because no. some of these things, like any any good friend would be like, dude, leave leave Martin Luther King alone. He's he, he's got more important God. things to do. Right. Um, no. Like it. It's just. It's, and so much of this is just like it. The next sentence. Just the untrue. poems I love most. The poems I love most are responsible to others and the world. Mm -hmm. But also feel free. 
what are you talking what meaning yeah. what in what's like yeah. how, what how could any of those terms actually apply in any any kind of restrictive meaningful sense in william logan's most recent review uh of, of, of omnibus he he cites a truly like painful um misspelling in ted kuzer's new book and then he says the copy editor should be fired and it was like copy editor like who do you think is working on this like there's no copy editor <laughs> and i think you're right i think like no i mean i mean can you imagine with the gritted teeth with which david lehman wrote his introduction can you imagine him like giving notes to zapruder on this introduction i mean i assume he didn't I no no I I'm, I'm, that's what i'm saying it's like i'm sure he was like i'm yeah, just gonna yeah. let you yeah go wild man yeah <laughs> oh i wanted to ask you what you thought of this because it, it he it's offhand but it's not like you could have written this sentence in a way that doesn't make the claim he makes. And mm -hmm. I feel like it, it might seem unfair to hold him to it, but like he is making a claim here. And he says, as I was reading through all the magazines and websites in 2021, I did not have, you could just say, as I read through many, many websites, as I read through websites and magazines in 2021, I, as I read through all the websites and magazines in 2021, even if we just restrict that to like, just like the ones that publish poetry, even the ones that poetry of publish poetry of like, pick a degree of note. And I guarantee you, he still didn't read all of those. It's like, mm -hmm. what a weird, like, why make that claim? Yeah, again, because like almost every it, other introduction it, it, these I've heard makes the point of saying like, you can't read all the poems. Mm -hmm. Nobody reads all the poems. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, it's it's just such a weird note to throw in. Yeah, he again, he just gets he gets so carried away, and it, and it's it's such a weird combination because there is just terrible milky qualities so often where he's trying so hard to be gentle. I, I found myself just, just like, 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 like stopping and rereading paragraphs again and again because they just they're just a wash of abstract nouns. They just like <laughs> it's so hard to get any kind of footing on any of this. I mean, at one point he gets so carried away that he basically described what's his like a rapid response team for contemporary events. He explains that because oh, uh, you can write oh, a poem no. really fast and because poets have this special quality of uh, not understanding what they're saying. They're poets the are specialists in the unknown and because of the compactness of a poem and its flexibility can respond rapidly to any situation. Yeah. Can yeah. they? Like I would feel yeah. like there are people who like, <laughs> Rapid responders, like that is a real category, they're, but that's not the category we're talking they're, about. They're armed Nazis showing up in our town. <laughs> Call the poets. Right. They can respond rapidly. Not helpfully, but rapidly. <laughs> no, I mean it's so it's so bizarre. He says he says this is this like really made gave me pause. He he's talking about reading reading poems from different people of different uh, you know backgrounds and experiences and so forth. Mm -hmm. He says poems remind us that at our core we share something deep. This is the gorgeous paradox of poetry. Again, like totally inarguable, very, very familiar kind of broad statement about poetry, but like fine, right? And then he says, it's as if there are human qualities that link us across Why time and geographical it? and other differences. Yes. And then, and then he says, perhaps this is ultimately a fiction. What? What? Yeah. Is, what? Do, do, and, and, does, and does nothing to explain why he thinks like what? human beings are just completely atomized uh we don't have qualities that link with, us across time and space like what do yeah. you think 
do you think like there are different kinds of people who live on different continents? Like what? What? And then that, I mean, I yeah. was thinking when I, the first time I read that sentence, I thought it was a, a winking sort of like, like Groucho Marx joke. Like it's as mm -hmm. if we have qualities and qualities in common, <laughs> but then, but then he, he goes like that. Perhaps no. this is ultimately a fiction. That's like, that's a, that's him being responsible and saying like, well, let me be the grown up mm -hmm. in the room and remind us like, we probably shouldn't believe that we have qualities in common. Well, it, it, it almost felt like he just... Like he started to feel himself one, saying something and he had to back or, up. Or there's this one guy he sees on Facebook who's like the kind of cultural relativist that other cultural relativists don't even really want to associate right. with, but who like always puts in a comment on his Facebook post and he was like, oh, well, that guy... Yeah. Like right. it, it just yeah, felt yeah. like he, like the he belief had to in universality to of, of experience is a... is is colonialism or something and, and so he just had to like instinctively defer to to that one person um i i don't yeah. i feel i feel sort of bad for him because he doesn't I and mean, he quotes he he cites three poems that are in the in the book mm -hmm. he doesn't even quote from vivi francis's he just talks about yeah. how it does the abstract things it does very well right. he quotes a little bit from jericho brown's inaugural which i mm -hmm. i believe that was the I believe he published that and it was it was in it, that was on the back of the New York Times magazine and on the front of that edition was Claudia Rankin also writing oh, okay. a, a made to order poem like in the early mm -hmm. stretch of the pandemic. And I remember the Jericho Brown poem being like remarkably good for being written on at, at, on short yeah. notice. Yeah. And I thought like, oh, this this sort of captures something and it feels like I can connect to this. The Claudia Rankin poem that went that went with it was was terrible. But I thought like it was a fine poem and like like probably if you're gonna do best American poetry, part of what you're doing is you're writing, you know, you're responding to what people are writing right now. So like he quotes a little bit from that poem that seems like, okay, there's something valuable. He just tells us to like take it on faith that Vivi Francis' poem does this elaborate metaphysical task mm -hmm. he does. And then he quotes, and I feel bad for this poet Jalen Harris, but he quotes this really unimpressive section from this poem, and then his meditation on it is it is only worse with like the, the, <laughs> says yeah uh, how deep in love i am and how silly of me to spend all morning daydreaming about love and not expect my desire to set me free i don't i don't understand how that makes any sense not expect my desire how do i spend all day daydreaming about love and not expect my desire to set me free I have no idea what that means. And then she goes on to say, the knives of my fingers tap out the notion that if I turn the key, it will unlock. I mean, I am confused, but like, I like the knives of my fingers feels like that's not great and it doesn't particularly ring true and I don't get what it, I don't know what it's getting at. But then his his response to that is, would you imagine your knives are fingers? Your fingers are knives, especially in the moment of typing a poem about love? I would not. Now I will not forget it. What? Yeah, well, okay. So a couple things. Well, am I missing I, something? I, I do think the poem tracks I, I can i can follow or the excerpt tracks i can follow its logic um but yeah like and it's that it's that same thing he's doing with the you there's something like simultaneously condescending and that, that sounds uh, like he's talking to an elementary school vain. class uh, like, yeah like he's he's, he's he's like he's trying to talk in a way that's welcoming and it just feels so condescending like why can't you say won't and then he, and and then, then, yeah, and, and he, he tags that with that is the rebellious spirit by which poets are animated again like this weird yeah. poet poet mm -hmm. essentialism of like like the, right. the different species that is poets and again like you know this constant level, so that he, he writes at one point after talking about the brown poem was being ruthlessly accurate i like i like the brown poem i wouldn't read the rest of it i, I liked it yeah, no, I think it's not ruthless. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's very like humane and, and like but, welcoming. But then, it's a very yeah, gentle. And then he, he can't stop himself. He says, only a poem, it seems to me, only a poem, 
is capable of expressing and creating in the mind of the reader the coexisting, colliding, disappointing, irresolvable mess of despair, rage, and foolish hope that defines what it is to be American. So, like, why? No, man. Like, what about a good like, song or a movie or like, yeah, or like what an about, essay? Yeah, or exactly. A like, documentary. Why? why or... Why do we have to? Why do? Why do we have to win? Like, and what is? And yeah, what is the like? There's something about. There's something about America specifically that like. Boy, it's good. It's a good thing we had poetry when when America came along, because otherwise nothing yeah. would capture it. I lived in New York when when nine eleven happened, and I remember going around with friends afterwards. And you know, in New York, there would just be all these little um, newspaper boxes with these tiny specialty newspapers, like you know, yeah, Cheesemakers yeah. Weekly or or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, because a big enough city that like ev even all of those could, could have like a free paper <laughs> yeah. of their own. And like after 9-11, all of them, their headline were like, three cheese aficionados die in terrorist attacks on 9-11. Like they all like they they knew they yeah. were still a cheese magazine. Right. But they couldn't there was not this address other story. And, yeah. Yeah. And and it, 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 a lot of this kind of feels like that. It's like because he, he in in white poetry is very skeptical of political poetry. He mm. thinks it's like he, he treats it as pathetical to what he believes poetry is, um, yeah. which is this thing that foregrounds the uncertainty of language above all else and, and everything. And then here he's like, well, you know, yes, politics matters. So, I, you know, that, now we plug in poetry over here. The, the other thing it made me think of is like when the Nobel Committee gave uh, Dylan uh the the nobel prize which i don't care like it doesn't bother yeah, me yeah, yeah. but it, it just yeah. felt it just felt like such a desperate gesture it was like yeah. they, they they took this like flashlight they had and like tried to point it at this massive spotlight right. <laughs> they're like look we gave bob dylan a million dollars right yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. there's just something kind of yeah. desperate about all this like, like, they, you like know, the, the nobel the, the nobel committee seems like a big deal until they give a prize to bob dylan i'm sorry i have, I have lunch plans that week right you know? yeah. yeah and i will say like i don't know if you want to get into this but i i think one place where you and i disagree is that i i, I see a lot more value in political poetry i think than you do maybe maybe like i see very little value in political poetry there are political poems that have value but yeah. like as a concept, I think it's a highly unconvincing concept and a highly like shaky theory. And then, and then sometimes individual what's, poems do amazing what's the, things. What's, what's, the, what's, the, what's the theory? If you're writing a poem about mm -hmm. the human experience of politics, well, that's like mm -hmm. writing about any human experience, right? And so you can write good things about, you can write like moving, interesting, memorable, funny, insightful things about working in a factory, about uh having a family about any doing any number of kinds of jobs about and certainly you can write them about you know being involved in politics or experiencing politics the way we do but that's not what people typically mean when they say political poetry i don't think i don't think they typically mean a poem about the experience of going walking up to city hall to vote and talking to somebody there and, and like i was interviewed by a unc student who asked me some some funny questions after I voted and like that was a, you know, I could write a poem about that if I wanted to, and that would be a thing, but that's not what people mean when they say political poetry. And I think when people talk about the urgency of political poetry, the importance, I mean, he, he says this again and again, he says the greatest poems demand change false. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. No, yeah. and he says, like all lyrics that seem true to me, they speak against power with anger or passion or despair, or sometimes with an exhilarating disinterest in what they is usually considered important. They seem written against 
in order to preserve mm -hmm. what why well i mean like some poems are right. sure yeah but the idea that like that that's the the essence of poetry or the idea that like there's some important responsibility for us to write poems that will that will do something political because that's what i think pe people tend to mean when they say political poetry that will achieve a political end yeah. then i just then i want like sh i want to like show me the math like what how where because the individual yeah. poems can have an effect and great wonderful who knows mm -hmm. what effect an individual poem will have Right. But what's the theory behind it? What's the call to arms? What's the demand? Yeah. So, so my, my my sense is that what you object to is not political poems, including poems that advocate for political change that that are are, are intended to to um, make some difference in in the political world. So much as the expectation that people should write them or the sense that they are morally superior acts to writing other kinds of poems. Is I that... do, I do, I do uh, disagree with the claim that people ought to write political poems or that writing political poems is morally superior or, or morally imperative. I also though find that almost all of the time when I read a poem that clearly has designs on me, mm -hmm. I, it doesn't, it's not a very good poem as opposed to most of the other kinds of poems you read well that have just like sorry that are trying to get me to go uh, perform a political act they're mm -hmm. like poems that are that are political rhetoric um mm -hmm. i mean first of all in most cases they're not even trying to get you to perform a political act they're trying right. to they're pep talks they're like sure. they're, they're poems for rallies for like mm -hmm. they're they're yeah. absolutely they're so so deeply preaching to the choir that we like we need another metaphor for what they're doing because it's so inert even if they were going to do a good job of what they're doing which they don't what is it they want to do i don't think rallying people towards a cause like and again like everything can be done badly and, and most kinds of poems are done badly most of the time but i i don't think rallying people towards a cause i don't think making people feel less lonely and uh in a pursuit of justice that seems to never progress and never end oh but those I, but, I don't, but political poems make me feel more lonely political poems make me feel more like i'm not talking to a human being i'm talking to a talking point i'm talking to a commercial i think like i love a malediction like i love a good mm -hmm. malediction but part yeah. of what makes a malediction really good in my experience for the most part is that it captures the experience of rage it mm -hmm. captures the feeling yeah. that we have felt at many times most political poems that are angry don't do that they right. just they just wag a finger and sneer at the bad guy right. and like right. i also dislike that bad guy but they're not actually mm -hmm. doing any good lyric work they're not actually ringing true or, or striking a nerve or reminding me of like, oh God, I, mm -hmm. I felt that too. Instead, I just think like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I also think that guy sucks. It just to me, like, I don't, yeah. it doesn't feel like it's, they're doing very much, but they are acting as if they are doing the most important thing in the world. And like both right. ends I, of I, that, I, both ends of that annoy mm -hmm. me. Sure. Um, but I, I, again, like, I think that's more a function of being done badly or being than it is about the inherent nature of writing a poem with a political objective in mind. Like what kind of political objective? 
would a poem have in mind today that would be um stick with Jericho Brown. There's a there's a poem of his that I, I wrote about in uh in my book uh called Bullet Points. Yeah. It is, I think, a very effective political poem, not because it stopped what it's lamenting and, and protesting against, which is uh Black men being killed by police for, for doing nothing wrong or for doing nothing of, of consequence wrong uh, in the way he frames it in the poem. Is it? I just want to see. Uh, why don't I just read it? Because it's not that long. Yeah. 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 So in case people don't Please. know Because, mm -hmm. um, yeah, this, this certainly was one I, I read and, and responded to. And, and it, yeah, I think it, it got some circulation, but it's worth reading. This bullet points by Jericho Brown. I will not shoot myself in the head. And I will not shoot myself in the back and I will not hang myself with a trash bag and if I do I promise you I will not do it in a police car while handcuffed or in the jail cell of a town I only know the name of because I have to drive through it to get home yes I may be at risk but I promise you I trust the maggots who live beneath the floorboards of my house to do what they must to any carcass more than I trust an officer of the law of the land to shut my eyes like a man of God might, or to cover me with a sheet so clean my mother could have used it to tuck me in. When I kill me, I will do it the same way most Americans do. I promise you. Cigarette smoke, or a piece of meat on which I choke, or so broke I freeze in one of these winters we keep calling worst. I promise if you hear of me dead anywhere near a cop, then that cop killed me. He took me from us and left my body, which is, no matter what we've been taught, greater than the settlement a city can pay a mother to stop crying, and more beautiful than the new bullet fished from the folds of my brain. That's Bullet Points by Jericho Brown. I mean, I think that poem is doing more than just making a political case, but I, th I think it's making a political case. I think it's, it's, a, it's a poem of protest. Yeah, I, 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 it is. It's certainly and obviously responding to current events, and and it clearly expresses a a feeling about those events and a and a perspective. But I think what it's what's most effective about it, and what distinguishes it from plenty of other poems about the same subject, is that it's like a sail that effectively captures the the like the wind of fury and anger and sadness like it, it, it catches hold of a feeling that one can relate to and one can imagine like it, it rings would, true as a cry yeah. of anger and despair and protest and you would and you would say that about some successful political speech as well as well right sure yeah so like some political spe some political speeches can also have a lyric element yeah that can mm -hmm. definitely be a, an effective and, element. And, and 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 generally speaking the ones that are successful are going to do something well, all of them that are successful are going to do something that, that touches people, that moves people. Yeah, I think most political speeches, though, don't achieve much political end. I think mostly right. what political speeches do today is they make us feel warm feelings toward the person who's speaking them. Sure. So if Jericho Brown were running for office, then this <laughs> would be... No, I mean, I'm serious. Like, this would be effective at making me think like, mm -hmm. oh, I... I like, I feel something, I feel some belief in this guy or some connection with this guy or like he see like this would make, this makes me feel closer to him. And it, and I certainly, it makes me, 
I mean, it doesn't change the way I feel about the the conditions he's writing about, but it it certainly puts me in mind of them. I don't know what political like this is a poem about political circumstances, and it is a powerful poem. If I have to get down to brass tacks, though, like what political effect is it having? Not much, like almost all other political acts, like me voting, you know, like me showing up for a march. Almost any political act an individual in this country can engage in, uh, short of, you know, entering into office, is is likely to have at most a minuscule impact. Um, yeah. You know, my, my donation to a political candidate, uh, right. whatever it's going to be, those, those are all at best going to have a minuscule impact. But I, I do think this is a poem that makes this issue at least briefly more salient for me than other political issues that could be capturing my uh, outrage or despair yeah. or, uh, you know, potential to act. I do think that, you know, I, uh, I, I, been doing some some work with a woman who is a, a full-time racial justice advocate um yeah. uh who, who i really admire and one, one of the things that she always says is like you know we we're not the first people to 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 care about racism we're not the first people to try and stop racism like uh people have been doing this for a long time and, and, and it's still there so you you have you know it, it ha you have to sustain people in the in, in, in that uh you, right. you, know, you you have to allow people to keep going so i I, th I think all of those are meaningful i don't think any of those by themselves are going to make a single dent in police violence or in racial injustice but neither is any one person who shows up for a march or goes out to vote. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think for one thing, like voting and donating to political causes certainly can feel quite futile and, and often statistically hard. But there is still a, there is still like a, a a measurable function. There is a thing happening there. Mm -hmm. Like with a march, it's a little, it's a little more nebulous. With the poem, it's, it's more nebulous still, but but also, I mean, maybe this is less of a an aesthetic point, more of a political one. But it, like, it just seems to me like the like the problem with American politics right now is not that we need more awareness raising. Mm -hmm. It feels like we like that's all we fucking do is awareness raise. Like we're in a way mm -hmm. like part of our problem is that we are hyper aware of certain things in a way that becomes disproportionate to their actual. Like, like we're hyper aware of street crime in a way that, mm -hmm. that doesn't right. actually correspond to its frequency. Right. Like we're, we're hyper aware. And I think like our, our awareness of things is not, that's not our, our weakness. And I think there's, there's, I mean, awareness raising often as plenty of other people have pointed out becomes an end in itself. So I, I don't, I don't say any of this to criticize the poem, but I do say it, I guess, to say, like what I often hear when people are really worked up about a political problem and they mm -hmm. are poets or they care about poetry what i often mm -hmm. hear is a like yeah yeah but what about this and and i think my response is like well it sounds like you really care about this mm -hmm. and if you're going to write poems you should write them about things you really care about yeah. so like do that but, but like what doesn't seem true to me is like the house is on fire let's go grab a bucket full of poems and put it out like, well <laughs> no like come on man really agree yeah yeah, yeah i don't i don't that uh, the solution to our problems is 
people writing more political poems, I don't know how we're going to solve any of these problems either. So, um, you know, if people want to try them, uh, I, th I think they can produce something worthwhile as, as much as any other yeah. kind of poetic attempt. Uh, and uh, uh, again, like it's only when people uh, start acting as if like this is the kind of poem everybody should be writing or it, this is a morally superior act to other kinds of writing. Yeah, which yeah, boy, I mean, he really does. There are kinds of political action that are that are morally superior, often because they involve real risk and real sacrifice. Yes, exactly. Yeah, unlike, exactly. Unlike writing poems, like at least in this yeah, country, in, at this in, moment, in, 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 you're not actually risking both, by writing a poem. In in, in spite of both layman and um, Zapruder using words like uh, daring and yeah, no, whatever else they're, they're saying. Louise Louise Clark has a very good essay about about what it means to be brave as a poet. And generally it means yeah. <laughs> not living in this country. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the direst um, circumstances, uh, poems are available to everyone and can help us resist and survive and see and forgive each other. Oh, there's the last resist there. See and forgive each other and ourselves. I feel like he, he was like, he also like he got, he, he was like getting so exhausted by the end there. And he was like, and, and ourselves. And I like, I want to be absolved of writing this essay. I want to be done. Like, forgive me, father, for I have written this introduction to Best American Poetry 2022. Uh, poor um, Matthew Zabruder. Did you want to um, yeah. talk about the Hottest and Salter poems? Not, not, not just those, but the, the, those were two examples. So there, there are excerpts in here from, Poems by Rachel Hottis yeah, and, and this is Le uh, Lehman's forward, both of which, yeah, uh, yeah in Lehman's forward, not in Zapruder's. Uh, yeah, he, he quotes these two poems. Yeah, yes. Um, and then from a poem by somebody named Terence Wench, who I don't know about. Yeah, um, I know and one then other poems that back. fit into this in, in other ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, Terry Ellen Cross Davis but, and Angela Ball as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah Terence Wench, I believe, like, is one of the best poetry would, in the past. I'm not sure. Pretty much all of the poems that uh layman includes feel a little bit like light verse to me uh like i feel like that's one of the things he wants something that's like one of, one of his objections i think to zapruder selection yeah. is that he wants something that's kind of more like an old tin can alley kind of thing you know he, he wants something that's poppy and catchy yeah, yeah. um and, and you know kind of playing with pop culture um, and high culture and, and all these things. I mean, and, and, and to the, I mean, to these... that, and the, I'll say the other, th in addition to reading these two, like, cause I, I bought this this morning and I, in addition to reading the, the forward and the introduction a couple of times and getting ready for this, I like, oh, I, I can go ahead and read 75 pages of poetry. Mm -hmm. No, it's 175 <laughs> pages of poetry. Like these yeah. are fucking long yeah. poems. Like only one quarter yeah. of these poems are, are just one pagers. And like half of those yeah. are enormous blocks of prose poetry with, that have like just crushing word counts. So I totally lost my, lost all momentum when I started to pick that up. And I, I'll just, a, a quick nod to our previous conversation of the few poems in it that I, I've read so far, just starting from the beginning. My favorite so far is actually the first one, uh, mm. which is also a political poem uh, by Aria Aber um, called mm. America that very much I playing with um, Allen Ginsberg's America, which mm -hmm. um, also, you know, like America, I'm putting my queer shoulder to the wheel. Like that's, that's some pretty lively poetry. I, you know, that, that, that keeps pretty well. So these three poems, and I, I don't really know Mary Jo Salter's poems. I don't know this Terrence Winch guy. I've read uh, a decent amount of Rachel Hottis and, and, and have uh, liked a lot of what I've read of hers. But all these have this quality 
that I, I feel like I see in a lot of contemporary formal poetry, um, mm -hmm. which is like something that feels a little clever, but also like a little self-satisfied, just like taking some concepts out for a spin. Um, like at times, some of these things remind me of like the poetry version of uh, what's that? Uh, wait, wait, don't tell me that NPR mm -hmm. show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, is is that familiar? Like, is, yeah. is that effect familiar to you? Is that is that something that it 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 is? I mean, so like the the Terrence Winch, I don't know it as well. I I didn't read that whole poem. I just saw his little excerpts from it, and I and that's also in it plays with rhyme a little bit, but it's it's in free verse basically. Um, the, the Hadas and the Psalter are both, they're about Zoom and about the experience of sort of being stuck on Zoom. And yeah. I think, I think like they're both, uh, the, so the Psalter poem is, is substantially longer than what he quotes. And, okay. and there are sections of it that I think are stronger, including she has mm -hmm. a, pa a passage about Randall Keenan's funeral on Zoom. And then, and then the, the, the closing is actually interesting because it sort of projects to an imagined future, which is not, as we have not even cl as cleanly achieved today, which is one where we're not doing this anymore. But they both suffer a little bit from the problem of writing about Zoom, which I just think is not, I think it's hard to write anything, anything about Zoom. I think there may be a generational thing where like, it's it, it being stuck on a computer in that particular way was slightly more novel to people our parents age. I think everything in them rings true. And I think like, it's well yeah. put, and I believe it and I recognize it. But I just like, I was so instantly bored of Zoom the second I learned about it that I don't, I just don't think it's, I just don't think it's a subject with legs. So it, it wasn't like, yeah. it was curious for me to me that like he, that he plucked those two and really was excited about them in particular. Yeah. I mean, There's, that's also like a terrific yeah. book that Mary Jo, that, that poem is from and it's got, which I, I haven't read. Yeah. yeah. And it's got like, I mean, that, that is, I think that's a very accomplished, if not outstanding poem but like the, mm -hmm. there's some really great poems in that book that did okay. come out that same year but yeah so uh, you know, sorry, sorry but the, you were talking about the light away, the light yeah. the light verse thing yeah i i, yeah. I do think that's i think part of it may be a risk in a risk in intrinsic to form particularly when people aren't as used to it because it is so obvious that you're having to calculate it and so yeah, I think it, I, like you have to work really hard not to sound cute or pat. I think when mm -hmm. you're doing it. that's that's true. And, and you know, I think too, there's this larger thing. This is not at all specific to formal poetry. It's something I, I, I'm more aware of happening in free verse. But there are all these poems that I, I would read when I was getting all these books and actually you know looking at them and everything, where it felt like the person so believed in the value of poetry or so believed in the value of them writing poems and publishing poems that like they were just looking for an occasion to write a poem. And so they were kind of these occasional poems, but they didn't really uh, serve the function of an occasional poem. Uh, oftentimes it's like, oh, this is a poem that's the result of a prompt and you haven't even taken the scaffolding off of it. Yes. Um, and a version of that I feel like I see sometimes in a, a decent number uh, of the formal poems I come across. And I, I, I know you're a huge A. Stallings fan. And I've read poems yeah. of hers that I've really well, liked. She, I just, I just read her, her selected. She does it a lot. She does it a lot. Yeah. yeah. It, it feels like she, it feels almost like someone's been assigned a theme. Like, you know, yeah. 
write a poem and then, and then you, you have this person who's kind of witty and they can do some some clever enough things but, but it's like oh this just the stakes feel really low and also like the the formulations feel like they're things that sound almost like something funny like uh that poem has these lines uh for the soul in each black square were there really people there yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. you know the, the 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 Pope thing about uh, what off was thought, but they're so well expressed. Like, like what, what that's was thought, that, that, but yeah, <laughs> no, that that's something that off was thought and was said in almost exactly those terms. Right. By yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like every, every teacher I know who taught on Zoom. Yeah. Well, and I think that's part of it. Sounds like, like, like really people all of the observations are true, but they're but none of them are, are novel. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah. not, not novel in um, meaning and, and not novel in uh, expression. Um, you know, I, I'm, I don't, I don't buy the idea that you have to say something new. Uh, you know, I really do believe that that Pope formulation, but. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and, there, and that was funny because like, there was a moment in, in, um, uh, is it like there, there, the, the, the funny little section he chose in Mary Jo's poem was not, I think the strongest section of it and, and in the hottest poem similarly there was a moment earlier where she she's talking about the like the the words her students don't know and then she has this moment where she's she starts to focus in on it and then she steps back and says oh uh what did she say exactly it's um it's not like a remarkable line but she says thinking too hard though doesn't do um mm -hmm. she, like she corrects herself by saying like the, the more you think about it the harder it gets and it, it's just like it's mm -hmm. a funny little like very accurate familiar human moment yeah. that felt like the poem just relaxed a little bit yeah um, and I yeah like I, I i think i think you, what you're saying is very true i think it is something that a lot of poets do with mm -hmm. with stallings she will often pick a like a a quotidian object and then she's mm -hmm. a master of reusing of reusing and re and like repurposing cliches and platitudes in a way that opens them up and like she's she's brilliant with puns and brilliant with like conversational speech and using it in a way that is that is like clever and new but is sort of ultimately a lot of those examples they're 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 perfectly made and they are perfect versions of themselves but the occasion is just not significant like it just doesn't add up to enough in some cases they like she has one called the stain where I think like it, it transcends its subject a little bit, but then others mm -hmm. like pencil or scissors, you think like, all right, well, this is like very well done. But I think, mm -hmm. I think the difference between when she does it or when, because Mary Jo, I think has a similar impulse and, and Wilbur at times would even do that though. He, his saw his weakness was mm -hmm. riddles more often. I think what happens when a formal poet of some skill does it is that it's, really really obvious and it's also really crisp and clear mm. what what the occasion is whereas i think mm. and i think similarly like with with like poetry criticism the easiest way to start an argument in poetry criticism is to say something clear to make a statement that is that is like distinctively and inarguably a statement about poetry about like or even about a poet or a poem like it's part of what william logan gets in trouble for because often like he's not all even like I, even in his most recent omnibus he's not my my he's not the best critic but he's also uh i mean a lot of he speaks he praises poetry often often his praise is mushier than his than his than his uh harsh criticism but it's part of what i think people object to is that it's very clear what he's saying and and i think in so many so much poetry criticism and in so many poems uh there's just a kind of a, a wash of sentiment 
um, or a wash of, of like abstraction. I mean, for criticism, it's a wash of abstraction. For poetry, it's often a wash of of uh, of, of feelings and trivial details. But I, I think like I think with formal poetry, it's easier to tell what you're going for, and and the and the boring, pointless, quotidian occasional occasional poem is a is another example of that larger principle. Yeah. I, I won't I won't argue with you about Logan here. We can we can do that some other time. Sure, um, sure. Uh, but he yeah, did, and he, I, and I think he, the other he did thing. he did something in his most recent which I which I appreciated, which was he he was really hard on two older poets, but then he also said like mm -hmm. here's here's how they could be a little better, like here's how they are at their best, and, mm -hmm. like here's what would be here's what I really want from them, which like argue with them or not, it was like it was nice to see that rather than just him riffing, you know. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, the the other thing I'll say with a lot of criticism too is, is that you know. The, the, another thing that really stood out for me going back to Sydney and Shelley is like just how threatened and jealous they are of other disciplines. Oh, man. Uh, and I feel like, you know, I feel like the humanities in general right now, but maybe literature more than some, is just so jealous of other disciplines. Like it just wants so much academic writing. Yeah. is like fake science which is which is just to say bureaucracy and and i feel like it, it's there in the Sapruder as well like there's just hunger to have what somebody else has you know the, this desire to plug in to um somebody else's authority or renown uh and to use to justify this thing that you're doing um do you, do, do you connect those impulses because I, I i know i do and probably to some extent unfairly between poets who are really hell-bent on poetry being important and having an impact on the world and academics who are really committed to this idea that academic literary criticism is like gonna bring justice to the world and 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 like spur the revolution in this way that feels I mean, just they both feel to me sort of futile and and annoyingly self-important yeah and like besides yes. the point like there is a better thing to be doing than this dumb mm -hmm. pointless thing right good all right yes. well that was easy <laughs> <laughs>
the kinds of down in the down in the filth uh, conversations that Jonathan and I have about poetry. But but Ryan enjoyed it, and maybe you will too. I will include a link to that in the show notes. Uh, thank you to Jonathan as always. I do hope to get him back on soon. Uh, you can reach me at sleericketts at gmail.com. And with any luck, I will be speaking to you again very soon. Until then.